Welcome to season three of the first Draft Club. This season is going to be a little different. We're going to be talking about all the same stuff, how to write your book, but now there's something extra. I've really wanted to be able to share visual aids as I talk you through this stuff. So guess what? Season three is on video. Yay. You can still listen here. Don't worry. But if you hear me reference a slide or you want to see visual demonstrations of what I'm talking about, just head over to my YouTube channel. I'll put the link in the description. You can find visuals there for any episode this season. Thanks for listening. On to today's episode. Hi, Mary here. I'm so glad you're here for the discussion today. Today, we're going to be talking about how to choose a point of view for your novel. There are four types of point of view in literature, and choosing the right one for your novel is one of the most important decisions that you'll make. And it's a decision you'll have to make at the beginning of the process or, or you know, fairly early in the process. First, good news, you're actually only picking from three of these points of view because no one writes in second person, unless you're looking to be very adventurous, in which case, go for it. Second person is you. So in that case, you would be writing to the reader. You'd basically be writing an entire novel about your reader. Like you wake up in the morning and brush your teeth. Sound hard? Yeah, I I think so. (laughs) I think we could safely say it sounds hard to write a novel in second person, which is why virtually no fiction is written in second person. Again, unless you want to be, you know, take a very, make a very bold move, in which case go for it. You do you. But moving on, most likely you're choosing between first person and third person. And then if you choose third person, you'll be further choosing between omniscient third and close third, but not really. It's kind of a false decision, which I'll talk more about in a moment. So first let's get first person out of the way. First person um, is where your narrator um, is a character in the story. So this is where the story is told, um, you know, from the perspective of I, like I woke up and brushed my teeth this morning. Um, First person has the benefit of uh, allowing you to get very close into a character's feelings and thoughts. Um, You can, you can, really create an intimate relationship uh, between the reader and your, your narrator in this way. It's limited because, you know, since you're only writing from this character's perspective, since the character is telling the story, the events that you can include and the experiences that you can include are limited to what that character can experience. Um, and when you try to break out of that, it, it usually is that there are more downsides than upsides. It can be really jarring to the reader. It can kind of break the, break the tacit agreement you've established with your reader. So it does have limitations, but it can be a really powerful point of view to choose. Now, third is broken down into close and distant also known as omniscient. Now, distant and omniscient are not perfect synonyms, but I'm going to be using them pretty interchangeably because there's a lot of overlap between them. So for our purposes, they're basically the same thing. Close is close. Third is when you are writing, um, and there's an external narrator writing about the, the characters in the story. So using pronouns like he, she, she, and they, he woke up and brushed his teeth. She woke up and brushed her teeth. They woke up and brushed their teeth. Um, Close is where the narrator is uh, 
really inside one of the character's heads at a given time though. So in the same way that first person is really looking at the world, the narrator's looking at the world through the eyes of one character, close third is very similar. It's just, instead of using I, you use he. Um, whereas distant third, you can think of it as the narrator is, is God in the sense that the narrator can see inside everyone's brains and report what's going on there. What is this person at the table thinking? What is the aunt, her aunt sitting across from her at the table thinking? What is the, 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 the guy delivering the mail? What, what is he thinking right now as he looks at everyone? So an omniscient narrator can, um, can hop, can head hop, can hop between characters heads and even speak for, um, for groups of people in um, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, which we talked about in um, the Craft Talk book club, book club for writers that I co-host last month, we read The Vanishing Half and um, it's written in Omniscient Third. And Britt Bennett, the author, in, in certain places, she speaks on behalf of an entire town. So collectively, she's talking about the town's fears and assumptions. And that's something that you can do when you're writing in Omniscient Third. A risk of omniscient third is, is what is sometimes called head hopping, bouncing around from head to head. And when you do that, it can be disorienting, um, for the reader. It can cause you to lose some, some authority as the, as the storyteller, as the narrator, if, if they don't trust that you, you, um, are keeping them anchored to what's going on. And, um, so that's a risk. And with close, with close third, um, I think the, the biggest risk there is, is when you want to segue between characters. So, um, just because you're writing in close third doesn't mean that you can't write in close third among several characters in my novel, Palm beach, that, um, my, my forthcoming novel, it'll be out this summer. Um, I write in close third, but it's close third that shifts between two characters perspectives, Rebecca and Mickey, a married couple. So in some places we're in Rebecca's head and then the next paragraph, you know, we'll be in, in Mickey's head and, um, it can be challenging to segue in, in that way. And you have to be, you want to be artful about it. So just to recap, first person is I woke up this morning and brushed my teeth. Third, he woke up this morning and brushed his teeth. Um, and then if we look at the difference between close and third a little more um, in a little more detail, here's an example. Close third would be a paragraph like this that I just wrote prior to recording um, to give you an example. He woke up and brushed his teeth. Ugh, he felt nauseous. He had hardly slept and today was going to be a tiring one. That jerk Stevens had made him promise to show up to the sales meeting, even though he wasn't even in sales anymore. Right. So you see, we're very much in this character's head. He's dreading his day. He feels sick. He didn't sleep well. He doesn't like this guy at work. Right. Close third. Now, here's the same uh, morning told from the point of view of omniscient third. Again, it's, this is nothing brilliant. I just rattled this off right before recording, but you'll get the idea. Tony woke up and brushed his teeth on his 418th day of work at PT Home Appliances, which itself was in its 40th year after being founded by Puck Timmons in 1922. Of the 3,000 employees who'd passed through its doors, Tony was, if not the brightest, the most irritable. All right. I, hopefully that makes very clear the difference between close third and omniscient third. Omniscient third is the narrator looking in and telling a story. Almost like I, I like to imagine these days it can be a little trendy in, I think, in film to 
have an actual narrator who narrates the story, who, who comes in occasionally and describes what's going on. Um, the first, the first movie that comes to mind is stranger than fiction with Will Ferrell, which I think is a, Oh, it's so good. I love that movie so much. And, um, of course that's a, it, it's about a writer and the writer is narrating. Um, she's sort of narrating portions of the movie. You hear her voice, um, her voiceover as Will Ferrell is, is doing things as, as the character in her novel. Um, but there are other examples of movies as well, too, where you'd hear a narrator come in and describe what's going on. And I, to me, that's the voice of an omniscient narrator that tends to be what we think of. Now, here's what I meant when I said that you don't really have to pick. Many authors, when they choose to write in close third, venture into omniscient in some places, and writers who write in omniscient absolutely venture into close third. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to write an entire novel um, in, in sort of the, on the omniscient end of third person without ever venturing to the close end. Why? Because we need to get to know our character. We need the reader to get to know our characters. We need um, to be able to connect to them and, and feel what they're feeling and, and think what they're thinking. I mean, that's, that's why it's a novel and not a movie. Okay. So, because we can get into their heads in a way that we can't in other visual media. So, um, we need to be able to segue between close and omniscient. Here is an example, another example I wrote of a segue between close and omniscient. She couldn't believe her luck. Here he was walking into the room and headed her direction. Around her, people minded their own business, seemingly unaware of his presence. One by one, they began to spot him, looking up and nudging each other. Everyone knew who Martin Pease was, and everyone's pulse quickened as they realized they were in the same room with him. All right, so if we break this down, this little paragraph that I, I wrote starts in close third. She couldn't believe her luck. She couldn't believe her luck. Here he was walking into the room and headed her direction. That's the first sentence, in close third. The next sentence starts in close third as well. Around her, people minded their own business seemingly unaware of his presence. That seemingly, right? We're not saying they're unaware. We're saying they seem to be unaware, seem to be that way to whom? To her. So we're still in close third because we're still in her, still, still reading from her perspective. One by one, they began to spot him. Hmm. Now, which is that? Is that omniscient or close? One by one, they began to spot him. I think it might be more omniscient, right? We're segueing into omniscient here, looking up and nudging each other. So it's both a description of what she would see, but also noting that they're actually spotting him. Not that they seem like they're spotting him or look like they're spotting him, but that they're actually spotting him. So here we have a sentence that's a bit of a blur of, of close and omniscient. And then our last sentence is full-blown omniscient. Everyone knew who Martin Pease was and everyone's pulse quickened as they realized they were in the same room with him. So as a paragraph, I think it works. And I think it just at least perspective wise, <laughs> and I think it works because of that segue. Um, that's a bit of a blur. Okay. So here's just an example of that middle sentence where you kind of, you, you could, uh, those middle couple of sentences where, um, you could argue that they go a little bit either way you can make arguments for them being closer or more omniscient in truth. They're somewhere in the middle of the spectrum. Now, um, 
if we were to imagine the paragraph without those middle couple of sentences, without that, that middle part to segue, listen how, listen how jarring this would be. She couldn't believe her luck. Here he was walking into the room and headed her direction. Everyone knew who Martin Peace was and everyone's pulse quickened as they realized they were in the same room with him. What? I mean, I don't know about you, but I find, I find that very jarring. We're, we're in her head. We're 100% in her head. And then we are 100% in everyone's heads in the room. So um, when you, when you are segueing, which you are welcome to do, you, you should plan to do it. Like you should plan to do some segueing, um, whether you're writing primarily in close or omniscient third. And when you do it, it's really nothing more complicated than what we've talked about today. Now you need to do it artfully, but as long as you're, as long as you're attentive to it and do it carefully, it's just all about, um, blurring those lines between them and moving down the spectrum. You know, you can think of it, if you literally picture it as a spectrum with omniscient on one end and close on the other, think of it as, you know, you have to travel from one to the other and you can't, because we aren't, um, pterodactyls, <laughs> my, my two-year-old's really into dinosaurs. So it's funny that that is what came to mind first instead of bird. Um, because we aren't a flying creature, we aren't going to be able to hop from one end to the other end. We are going to need to to get there some way by moving down the spectrum. So we could take a trolley, we could walk, but somehow we're going to have to move through the middle part that middle gray part in order to get there. If you were to just jump from here to here, it does, is not going to feel as, um, as real or relatable, um, to the reader. Lastly, if you are unsure what point of view to use, I would go with third over first third, um, for reasons that we've talked about today, third, uh, gives you a lot more options. You have a lot more to play with and you're less restricted. Also, it's not that hard to change later. The difference between close third and first per, first and close third is pretty small. So it, it's pretty easy to switch it up later if you change your mind. It'd be a bigger deal to try to go from first to omniscient or vice versa. Um, but the, the distance between close third and first is pretty small. I hope this was helpful. Thanks so much for being here. Happy writing and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the First Draft Club. Subscribe and leave a review and I will adore you forever. And if you want to submit your own questions and attend these sessions live, you can join our community of authors by going to maryadkinswriter.com. That's Adkins with a D, like donut. And if you want to attend my free masterclass on how to finish your book in five simple steps, just go to maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass. That's maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass, and you can watch it instantly. Happy writing. <laughs>